Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. One of my favorite things to do here at Smart Passive Income is to have you follow along the journey of some of the businesses that I run. And this episode today is about the business at SwitchPod. SwitchPod is a physical product and invention that me and my videographer created. We had an idea back in 2017. We eventually launched it on Kickstarter February 2019 to the tune of $418,000, which then allowed us to build this thing, to ship it out, and now we're on Amazon, other retail stores. People are buying it who we don't even know. It's awesome, but we're learning so much as we go, and we wanted just to continue this journey and share all the things that we're learning along the way with you because whether you choose to create a physical product or a digital product, we know that through our journey, we can teach you and hopefully help you fast forward your success too. So make sure you stick around. I got Caleb Wojcik, my partner in today. We're gonna talk about all things SwitchPod. That means updates on the new products, some of the mistakes that we made, money, margins, all the things. I mean, there's just so much to unpack here since we launched this thing and we can't wait to update you. So stick around. But first, of course, the intro. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he's a certified Enneagram 3 married to a 6, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to session 427 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name's Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people, too. And today, we're talking about the SwitchPod. You can find it at switchpod.co. This is my invention, along with Caleb Wojcik, my partner, my videographer, my, my brother. We've done so many amazing things with this product and have learned so much, and we just wanna pass it along to you and keep you up to date with what's been going on. He's been on the show a few times, and I've talked about this product several times in the past. We'll link to those other episodes in the show notes page at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 426 in case you wanna start from the beginning with us. But for right now, let's just dive right in. Here he is, Caleb Wojcik. What's up, Caleb? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always, uh, always a pleasure. I know you're staying super busy these days because we're all locked in our houses right now. Yeah, this uh, we were just saying before we hit record. It's it's not that much different for people that work from home or you know their families are home a lot. But 
it's just like the economic and business landscape is changing a lot right now. Yes, and we have been affected by that in some capacity. And we're gonna dig into that as well as just give you an update on SwitchPod. For those of you listening right now and you're not sure what this SwitchPod thing is, hopefully by now you've heard about it if you've, if you've heard uh, of us for a while. But if not, uh, a really quick intro. SwitchPod is a product that Caleb, who was my videographer, still is. Uh, he and I got together. Long story short, we invented a product. We kickstarted it. We raised four hundred. $118,000 on Kickstarter. This is February 2019. And uh, we are now, uh, we, we took six months to get it manufactured and then into the hands of the backers. We've been since selling it on places like our website at switchpod.co, as well as Amazon, BH Photo, Adorama, Moment, and many other places around the world, actually. We're learning a ton because both Caleb and I have never done this before. And the purpose of us coming on today and the other times he's come on, as well as on the YouTube channel at Pat Flynn. We're just here to share as we learn because we know there's a lot of people who, maybe this is you, you have ideas and you're not quite sure how to get it done and you just need somebody who's done it maybe a couple steps ahead of you that you can learn from and that, that's why we're here. What's been the best part so far about this whole journey for you, Caleb, up to this point? I mean, the best part of having SwitchPod launched and in the wild now is just seeing people that I don't know at all, never met, never heard of before, just posting about SwitchPod and being excited about the product versus really only had launched things in the past that like people had to know who I was to buy it. Like it was a course I was launching or it was a community I was leading or what have you, or it was a course I filmed for someone else that people bought it because they trusted that person. Now we've created this product that's bigger than us and it's helping more people than we know. Yeah, it's crazy. The tweets are coming in every day. The You could check out our at SwitchPod uh, account on Instagram to see a lot of the, we, we, we love to repost things people have shared too. And it's just really incredible to see, like you said, people we don't even know using it and, and enjoying it. And I just recently went to an event at Social Media Marketing World and I saw it several times in the wild. Many of them I knew, that's sort of a home conference for me here in San Diego, but many people I didn't know. And it was, it was pretty incredible. So we are just so thrilled for the success of it so far, but we also both understand that there's so much more upside and so much more growth here. So like we, we didn't take any outside investments. This was all purely sort of funded by ourselves, bootstrapped, and, and we continue to remain as such. However, we've had a lot of fun and interesting opportunities happen since launching it. You know, we really struggled with getting it on Amazon number one, but ever since then, it's been going up and, and it's been, you know, changing the rankings every day. But, you know, we are making sales, maybe 30000 40, you know, up to $40,000 a month. And again, that, that's, that's just gross sales that doesn't include sort of uh, the fees and manufacturing and shipping. So, you know, the margins are quite small here compared to, compared to our normal digital products. But what, what, what are some of the other sort of fun surprises and opportunities that we've come across since launching this thing? Well, I didn't really understand how retailers even worked, like how stores worked how to does buy it work? products. So from what I've learned, basically you have regular pricing that people pay at the store. So for us, that's $100. And then you have prices that retailers pay to buy things from the, the company that makes the product. And that price has a margin built into it so that they can earn their revenue by marking up products to the price that people will actually pay at the end. And I never really learned that. And surprisingly, I like went to business school and stuff. Maybe I just forgot about it. <laughs> but it's interesting to know that, okay, Yes, you want to sell your product for $100, let's say, and you want to be profitable. But if you want to be in stores, they're going to want somewhere between 30 and 50% of that price that they're going to sell it for 
as a margin. And so you need to be profitable to make money also selling it to retailers if you want to be in stores and things like that. And they're going to buy it for less than a, just an end consumer will buy it. So this is basically why any website you go to online will give you either free shipping or a 10% off coupon if you try to like leave the site or just enter your email or what have you, because they are going to make more money if they sell it to you than if you go to Amazon and buy it. And so I never really saw that. But now every time I go to a website, I see that they're offering 10% or 20% off or whatever, because that's the margin they're losing if you go buy it at Amazon or you go buy it at another store. Right. And if you sell it on Amazon, at least through Amazon FBA, fulfilled by Amazon, you know, it's it's a little bit harder to reach the customer at the end versus if they were to subscribe and purchase from you. And so we have a really nice number for our product. It's it's for sale for $99 on our website. We prefer people go to the website. So if you're like, ooh, SwitchPod, that's cool. Like, please go to switchpod.co and you can check out the bundles there. We'll talk about also in this conversation how we've added accessories to the product and, and, and other things people can buy, which has been really neat. But yeah, we're on Amazon too. And we have a really nice round number, about 100 bucks. Would it be okay if we shared... And if not, just tell me to edit this out. <laughs> um, <laughs> although people are listening to this now, you know it's in here. But what are the numbers? Like what do we sell it to retailers for and what do we pay to make it and get it here and that sort of thing? For example, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like if, if we were to, to sell one on Amazon, how much are we keeping versus how much are we keeping if we were to sell it on our own website, for example? I mean, without pulling it up right in front of me, I believe Bummer. if we sell it on Amazon, it's they take about 18 to $19 per unit sold. And then there are some other fees associated with them, like Storage keeping fees. them in their warehouse mm-hmm. and stuff. But somewhere around $20. Okay. Minus the cost to make the product, right? Ballpark around, around $30, considering we have to manufacture the product we have to make the packaging for it. We have to ship it from China to our warehouse, pay to have it warehoused, and then pay to ship it to Amazon, roughly around thirty dollars per right. SwitchPod tripod. So we could we could probably say we're keeping, you know, forty to fifty percent. Mm-hmm. And then if we were to sell it on our own website, what what happens? Well, we don't have to pay that Amazon fee of about twenty dollars. So, you know, that's twenty extra dollars in our pocket. And that scale, that's huge. Like that's, yeah, that's massive. And and you think about, I mean, we're a small company right now and we're selling by the thousands. I mean, imagine a company selling millions of items, right? It's, or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. I mean, that 20 bucks like goes to Amazon. This is why Amazon is so big and so huge and their stock is up and, and everything. And it's hard because it's like, we don't, they, they also are the marketplace. People are searching for things there. So they've kind of have that corner in the market, right? Yeah, there's an expectation that things are just on Amazon. I feel like at least here in the United States that if you have a product, you can buy it on Amazon. And the expectation is that I want prime shipping. I want it you know, today, tomorrow, the next day, and I want free shipping. And so that's the expectation of people. And we're so spoiled. So you, you almost kind of have to be, you kind of have to be on Amazon because people will go, well, I need that tripod for this trip I'm taking tomorrow. I'm just going to get a different one. And so you lose out an, an entire sale versus, oh, I'll just go to your site or, you know, what right. have you. People also, like you said, they're shopping there. They're, they're searching for the solution. They might not know what tripods are even out there. Mm-hmm. And so they come across our product through Amazon. And so 
It's also marketing. And you could run ads like we've experimented with on Amazon where people search travel tripod or other terms that we would want to rank for and they find out about us that way. So there's all these other ways that Amazon is beneficial for us to be on as a platform. And if we were just looking at it at a scarcity kind of mindset of, well, we want the most amount of margins for every sale that we make, I try to view it as it's an additional sale we would not have made if we weren't on Amazon. Exactly. And, and you know, on the retail side of things, when we sell in bulk to these retailers, which which is largely in, in your camp, I mean, again, the, the margins are, are quite low and we're going for scale here. We're not going for higher margins. If we were going just for higher margins, it would be all things pointed to switchbot.co, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also do other things. So retailers take even more than Amazon. There's is about a 30% cut on us. So we're selling them to retailers for about $70 and then they turn and sell them for $100. And they handle more stuff than we do. Like B&H, for example, or Adorama, if I go to B&H or Adorama and I look at a SwitchPod, I might open Instagram and get a SwitchPod ad. Or I might go to another website on the internet and have a Google ad that shows the SwitchPod to me. So they're actively marketing our product advertising-wise. They're handling things like returns or customer support on the order and things like that versus if someone orders a SwitchPod through our website, their package didn't show up or it's delayed and they have questions about it or they want to return it. Like We are handling that. So in a way, retailers earn their margin, but in the end, it's less profit for us. So it's it's a give and take of they're going to do more, but they're going to take more of your money. Right. This is a very similar conversation we've had with people here on the show about selling books. You could sell your own book like old school Nathan Berry style on your website with three different price tiers and make more money that way. But then you don't get the advantage of Amazon and the algorithm and the marketplace and the people being affiliates for Amazon who want to promote your book too. And there's a give and take, I think, and, and it's just really interesting. You, you kind of have to figure out what your goals are. And our goal is to get into as many people's hands as possible right now versus uh, margins. And we are putting essentially every dollar we make back into the business to grow it, to order more product. Um, tell us where we're at with inventory and how things have gone since the promotion. If you wanted to remind people about you know how many backers we had, how many we ordered, and sort of what the life cycle has been like so far, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so timeline-wise, I mean, our Kickstarter campaign ended almost exactly a year ago. Um, Happy anniversary. So, <laughs> yeah, about six six months after that, we delivered the first batch. And there were about 4,000 Kickstarter backers, which ordered about 4,500 total SwitchPod tripods. And our initial order that we placed with the factory was for 11,500 units. So we basically doubled what the amount of Kickstarter backers bought so we have about 5,000 in inventory. And then there were 1,500 of those 11,500 that were very specific for the Vid Summit event. So Vid Summit purchased that many uh, in partnership with us and product to give one to everybody that attended. So after the Kickstarter backers, we had about 5,000 more that we could sell. And we're almost out of those right now. I think we're down in the like 500 range in our warehouse as of recording this. That's crazy, dude. We've sold over like 10,000 of them. Yeah, but we ordered 5,000 more a couple months ago. I don't know, around the around the end of last year, we ordered another 5,000 right. tripods. Before all the craziness. Yes, before all the coronavirus stuff going on. But we also have another product. We have an accessory that we launched on our anniversary of our campaign. So that was about two months ago. We launched a, a ball head. 
So the accessory that everyone had been asking us for, that was the most requested thing from our customer base, we developed that faster and we launched it differently this time. Instead of doing a Kickstarter campaign where we crowdfunded, we already knew we had a chunk of customers, 10,000 people that had bought the SwitchPod before. We already knew that they were asking for this thing. So we reversed it. We made them first. And we had 2,500 of those made. I think we only have about 500 of those left right now. So we're making more of those as well. So you kind of have to play the inventory game when mm-hmm. you're in the physical product space. And your margins and your profit really are, are towards the end. Because there's a lot of upfront costs with developing and engineering and getting molds made to make these. And once you start getting into the higher quantity numbers, then you're just paying unit cost. You're just paying, how much does this unit cost to make? I don't have any of the upfront fees that I had before. Those are all paid for. So as we, let's say, sell the next 5,000, whatever amount of money we get from that, we might be able to make 20,000 or 25,000. If we sell all of those and reinvest all that, then we could make 100,000 of the switch pods. And so you kind of play this step up game. It's it's kind of like gambling or picking up your chips and going to a higher limit. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, can we sell all these? Can we make all these and sell them and make even more money? And it's just a, it's an interesting timing thing too with how long things to make take to make and are you going to run out of money and time the payments and and that's where it gets really complicated uh, to to manage this right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, we are heavily relying on a lot of other people's experiences and a lot of very knowledgeable people who have done these kinds of things before. And just a, a quick lesson for everybody. I mean, ever since we started this whole thing, I mean, if if Caleb and, Caleb and I were just alone doing this, we would have not been able to do it. There's been so many people from Richie and and Tiafin and and Jace and Cole over at Prouduct.com, like proud product. Uh, the uh, product.com. They, they've truly helped us and, and still continue to help us from our 3PL, our, our um, logistics person, which I want to get into in a little bit here in terms of fulfillment and shipping, because I think that's a big thing that a lot of people who are thinking about creating a physical product uh, need to think about to a lot of the actually we're, we're connecting with a lot of other retailers and other CEOs of companies who are just willing to lend a hand. And it's just so amazing to see that there's so many great people out there who are willing to help people like us. And there are people that are willing to help you too. Can you speak to anybody out there who might be like, oh, well, how might I even find people or do they really exist? And, you know, how do you attract sort of help in, in that sort of way? Because definitely it's been a key component for us. Well, I think there are two ways you could go. You could either hire a, a mainstream popular company to help you. So for third-party logistics, which is you know having a warehouse, shipping our product out all over the world. We could work with a Shipwire or some, some of these other companies. But if you are a small fish that only has a few products with them, you know, trying to get someone to help you might not be very easy. Or you could kind of go to what I like to call like your mom and pop kind of warehouse. So that, that's kind of the direction we went through the introductions that we got to our warehouse and shipping person. Mm -hmm. But I love working with him because he's a text or a phone call away. If there's an issue we're having, or if we have a shipment coming in from our factory, and I'm like, hey, are you going to be there to pick this up at three o'clock on Thursday? He's like, yeah, I'm going to be there. You know, I would much rather work with those kinds of people than the bigger, like, 
waiting on phone support to get a hold of somebody kind of thing. So to meet those people, it's it's about asking. It's about reaching out to maybe some of the favorite products that you buy and asking them, hey, who do you use for third-party logistics? Or who do you use for manufacturing? Or who does your prototypes or your paint or what have you? That That's the way that you can find these other companies to work with is by by asking people that maybe make something similar to you, as long as you're not like stepping on their toes and trying to take over their business, uh, or just people you look up to. Because things like shipping and prototyping or metal fabrication and things like that. There are definitely people out there, but to choose which ones are the best, I always try to go through recommendations. Yeah, for sure. That way, if something goes wrong, you have somebody to blame. Just kidding. Exactly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I want to go back to our second product, the ball head, and I want to go to launch day. What was launch day like? How did we plan that? Where, what, 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 what tools did we use to get the word out? Because it, it was exactly like you said, the opposite of the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter was to prove our product, to validate it before making it. And in this case, we already made them. And again, we had to sort of guess, but we had uh, 2,500 of them made. And then we announced it to our existing customer list. And I think this is just speaks so highly to how valuable your existing customers are, especially if you've provided a great experience. And, you know, having that email list is, has been absolutely huge. And so tell us a little bit about launch day. Uh, what was that messaging like? And then what had the what, what were the results like? Well, it was important that we had been collecting email addresses from like before we ever launched this thing. So we had people that were interested in SwitchPod before we launched the Kickstarter campaign. We had 4,000 plus backers that we could send a Kickstarter update email message to. Mm-hmm. There were also people that had bought through our Shopify store, and I'd set up Shopify to tag people properly in ConvertKit based on whether they had came to the site and bought a specific product or they had not and they were just interested. So I used different messaging for all different groups on that email list. For the Kickstarter backers, it's, hey, thank you so much. One year ago, we took the risk to launch SwitchBot on Kickstarter. You believed in us. You backed it. This is what you've been wanting, that you've been asking us for. Now this is available. It ships next week. So it's different messaging for each group mm-hmm. to you know, target them with, you helped us with the, with the Kickstarter campaign. Here's the email copy we used. You bought on Shopify last month. Here's the copy we're using. You're interested in SwitchPod, but you haven't bought one yet. Have you looked into the Ballhead bundle we just launched? You know, you can use different messaging if you're tagging people properly. If you just have one massive email list that everyone's on, it's really hard to do that. You just have to send a mass thing of, hey, we have this product. But when you are tagging people properly or you have different ways to communicate to people, that's how you can target the messaging to them. Another thing is, We've tried to build up a following on Instagram. I wouldn't say we're doing anything fancy on there. All we've really done is try to post a lot during the Kickstarter campaign, post when people were shipping them out to all the Kickstarter backers, and then reposting when people were getting them and getting excited. Anytime someone posts one on Instagram story and tags us, I'll I'll reshare it. Just kind of organically trying to grow an audience through Instagram. And now I get DMs from people all over the world that are like finding it in their explore page or what have you. So 
having different avenues to reach out to people, not just email, not just social media, not just your website, but kind of being in a lot of places and just kind of seeing what works has really helped. Yeah, that's awesome. And and what was that day like? We sent emails out and then what happened? Well, we did a, I want to say it was like a 72 hour or something sale like that where it was $5 off or something like that. And by the end of that, we had sold a thousand of them. So 40% of the inventory that we had just (laughs) ordered, which I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew that we had eight or nine or 10,000 people at that point that had a switch pod, but I didn't know. I figured, Oh, maybe they'd already bought a ball head by now. Mm -hmm. But I think people wanted one that, you know, fit perfectly on it, looked exactly the same, had our branding on it. And we tried to showcase why it was different or what was special about it or things like that. And it, it was different of a response compared to the Kickstarter launch because the Kickstarter launch, there was so much energy in those first couple days. Yeah. Of, we had launched something that was kind of underground. Like we, we'd shown it to people. You and I had talked about it on our platforms a little bit, but the combination of like Peter McKinnon and other people talking about it in that first day, just like everyone heard about it in, the like camera space and stuff. And you see like the public number going up and up and up. And like everybody sees that and they're getting excited and they're messaging you and stuff like that. Like I had friends from high school that I hadn't talked to. They're like, Oh, I saw SwitchPod on Facebook. (laughs) You know, like, so that was a very different, very public experience. And it was just a higher dollar value, but we had similar results and success just launching to our existing customers but people didn't know how much it was making or you know how many we were selling and it was just a, it was a different experience it was also a very positive thing but it was it was a not as public exciting thing to to, to watch so yeah. i don't know if we're going to have another product that kind of is as revolutionary or a new version of a switchpod someday or what have you that's more of that public launch but it's a different experience to be sharing how well it's doing in front of everybody yeah it was it, i mean it was no nowhere near as the first few days of of our normal sort of Kickstarter sort of sequence, but uh, I still felt a rush for sure. I think, and I'm lo- trying to look at the numbers here. We were at like almost seven thousand dollars on February fifth alone for a thirty five dollar product that we offered with a discount on top of it. Like mm-hmm. unreal. It was it was completely mind blowing. Although a lot of this sounds amazing. And we're talking about pretty decent numbers here, obviously, and things have gone really well. Like I wouldn't take anything back. That being said, there are some mistakes that we've made or things that we've discovered along the way that, you know, could have been better. And I have a few of those things. I know you do too. Uh, Might I ask you to start with like maybe what's one or two items that you wish were better? I just always want to be upfront and and vulnerable with people because I think it also shows that you don't have to be 100% perfect either to still launch something that does really well and makes people happy. So what are maybe one or two things that come to mind when I when I say, well, I wish this was better or improved? Well, I mean, we've spent money on advertising both during the Kickstarter campaign and since then that I don't feel like we really understand what's working with it. And I feel like we kind of throw money at it. And I don't fully understand the numbers. I don't fully understand what the company might be sharing with the advertising to know if it's giving us the result that we want. So that's something that I think we've paused all advertising right now, at least yep. that I know of. And so that's something that like I haven't had the time to dive into. We haven't put much energy behind it. And so it's like, let's not keep throwing money at this and trying to f- 
fix something until we now it's an inventory thing it's like yep, don't exactly. pump too much into into advertising it will run out of stock <laughs> you know so we just let stuff naturally sell so that would be one thing how about for you i mean for me i want to i want to talk a little bit about the product and i know that you've had first thing experience hearing from a few customers here and there about things breaking or things you know not being glued on properly and these are anomalies right but they still bother us because we want everything to be great for people how have you been handling sort of, you know, any product related issues that have been coming in, which is honestly out of our control, because a lot of it is just sort of maybe a, a, a sort of an edge case, uh, as they call it, something with that particular product in the way that it was shipped. Like I know, for example, sometimes people open their boxes and, you know, maybe the, one of the rubber pads is off or, you know, the the sort of rubberized sort of ring around the um, the screw uh, eye hole thing at the top just fell off. And, you know, those those kinds of things. How, how are we dealing with that? I know that's mostly you on the front lines of that. Well, I think the first thing is to take it personally is is like a hard thing because you're it's your product. It's your thing that you've developed and made. But did you take like, it personally? I, did, I think at first I did. But eventually, you know, you, you definitely want to side with the customer and treat them for sure how you would want to be treated. So if that's sending them replacement parts or it's sending them a new unit and having them return the one for no cost or what have you. But unless I was going to personally inspect all 11,000 of them as they came out of the factory and like hand delivered them myself and, you know, like you can't have complete control over everything. And you have to know that you know, just numbers wise, statistics wise, there's going to be anomalies or issues with, yeah. you know, like you said, rubber feet that like fell off in the package or, or did make it on or, you know, so you just have to know that, okay, whatever percentage of our product is going to have to be returned, or you're going to have to like make quick repairs or what have you. So having, having those elements is helpful. So if there's some part of your product that is prone to breaking or maybe you are having manufacturing issues of it with it ask your factory for extras of those things so we can send people a three pack of rubber feet and be like here's a couple extra you can stick them right back on you should be good to go and and tr- trying to be timely with that so i think at first it was very frustrating and i, I did take it personally because it was like I, I just felt bad like i felt bad that they paid the price and they waited for it through the Kickstarter campaign and everything. And then they got one that had a missing foot or what have you. But you then have to use that and be like, okay, so how can I keep this from happening again? So I would send pictures to the factory and be like, okay, this is what's happening. The rubber feet seem to be coming off. A, can I have some extras? B, how can we in the next batch make sure that this doesn't happen? Is it how they're put in the box? Is it making more foam or more room around the foam cutout? So it doesn't, you know, pop off when you're taking it in and out of the box can we make the product better can we adjust the manufacturing process or the glue we're using or things like that so it's a combination of catering to your current customers if there are issues they're having as well as okay how can we improve our processes to make sure that this doesn't happen again because opposite opposite of the product problem is like shipping issues which was not something i was anticipating I was like, oh, we'll just ship, you know, like 4,000 of these things around the world in like a week and it'll be fine. And I wasn't ready for like the incoming support email of like, mine's stuck in customs or like, when's it going to be here? Or like my tracking number quit updating or, you know, like that kind of thing. So you kind of have to be ready for supporting your customers with frequently asked questions. And um, I started using Help Scout and 
making templated emails for this, the kinds of emails I kept getting, like, how do I put my phone on it or, or those types of questions. So those are things that like, I don't know if I would have changed anything if I was to go back and do it again, you just kind of learn and adapt along the way. But I think it's important to always make sure that you're like trying to make sure that this doesn't keep happening. So if you have issues with your product, if you have issues with shipping, talk to your warehouse, figure out, hey, can we ship these a different way? Or can we charge people more to make sure it's going to get there faster? Or Those are all things that we've been doing and things start to settle down and start to get more streamlined eventually. Yeah. And thank you for that. And I think that's really helpful for people to hear. And as far as expectations, these things definitely caught us by surprise. So I'm, I'm so thankful that we were able to sort of rebound from that. And I did take things personally as well. And I remember Richie, we reached out to him and we're like, there's all these problems coming in. What's going on? Like, please help. And he's like, dude, like this happens. This is always the case. It's just a matter of how how much. And like we calculated it out and it was like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction that was actually having an issue. And he's like, dude, we're doing way better than most companies in terms of just like problems with manufacturing and shipping. And these are things I've never had experience with because, you know, the problems with digital courses is, hey, you know, my login password is not working, you know, and that that kind of stuff versus versus this. So it's it's just really interesting to be on this end of it in the physical product world. You had mentioned something about holding phones and I, I wanna finish off this conversation by talking about the future of SwitchPod and perhaps we could start there. We got in a room at WeWork here in San Diego. We put our heads together for a number of hours to talk about the future of the company. And one of the things we discussed was, well, what what are our next products? And it was a really fun conversation, but it, it was really challenging because, you know, I think the SwitchPod was so revolutionary. The ball head was something that people, everybody was asking for. And so we, we developed that. And this phone holder thing is is like on paper, the next thing that we should be creating to sort of attach people's phones. So they, they don't have to get a third party one. They can They can use one of ours that fits perfectly and does all the things it needs to do. But then we keep going. We like we're we we are developing new products and 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 we're essentially moving forward with a bunch of different ideas in terms of prototyping. But I think this this phone was is interesting because we're sort of I'm I'm personally battling. I'm not sure how you're feeling, Caleb, with just like how innovative the SwitchPod was and and just creating another thing that already exists because there's a lot of great solutions already. There there were no great solutions for who we were targeting for the SwitchPod, so we created it. The ball head just kind of made sense because that, that's sort of a part of it. But this next product is like, well, I don't just want to make another one that exists that, you know, like, how do we make this switch pod like? And I'm, I'm just having trouble with it. So, you know, lots of sketches, lots of ideas being thrown around, lots of cardboard and lots of, you know, tossing it in the garbage can kind of thing. So, or recycle can. <laughs> Where, where's your head at with like this phone holder? I want to do one. But I don't want it, I don't want it to be like just another product that sort of just blends into all the others, you know. I think that that's like you said why SwitchPod stood out is we tried to invent something new or at least reinvent a way people did something. And I don't know that our smartphone holder is necessarily going to do that. And so it comes down to do we want to make something that already exists and just has our branding on it, or we try to do it in a new new way, or like. How do we not infringe on people's patents and things like that? So I don't know. At, at some point, we would 
we get a, you have to like stop your product line. So it's like we're not going all the way to making cameras for people to film themselves or microphones or record themselves. So like what, where where do we keep stepping back until it's like okay, these are the products that we can make really well, and there are other options out there for you to do these other things. And I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth on it too because I know if we made one, we would sell them, but. There are other options out there, and everyone that has a switch pod that wants to put their phone on it already. Do they already have a phone adapter? Probably, but then they might just buy ours to support us, or it has to be better in some way. So, until it is better, or it has that kind of satisfaction of opening and closing the switch pod with the magnets and things like that, we might not make one, even though we could potentially white label one and throw throw our logo on it. Right, which so, which we we which we actually did, but. I mean, this is an interesting time again because of the coronavirus. Like, we made a bunch of just like normal mobile phone adapters for the Switch Pod that we were actually going to sort of offer at an event that we were going to be going to to promote the Switch Pod and be with a, a bunch of other videographers. We're talking about VidCon, which happens in Los Angeles, which just recently got canceled. So now yeah. we have this inventory of like smaller, sort of like not quote unquote super innovative but still really cool i think uh mobile yeah, not, phone not like full feature we didn't invent it from scratch this was something that the factory that we worked with was already making they own the you know intellectual property and it's a it's a basic phone holder it holds the phone but maybe to patentize brains of all these like ideas of what this phone holder could do and you could attach it in all those different ways and it'd be so easy to use and so it's maybe not that but it's like sort of an said, interim answer, right? For, uh, yeah, it's like an interim answer where like, hey, do you want a basic smartphone holder thing that has our logo on it? You can order that shortly from our site, but it's not the revolutionary thing that we, we would hope to make someday. Right. And it's like not. you said, we were going to use them at an event and where people would like see them and feel them. And maybe it's maybe it's like, hey, if you buy at the event, you get this thing free because it's a lower cost item for us. But you know, you can't control whether an event gets canceled because of a, a <laughs> pandemic. So, right. you know, there are other ways that we'll we'll market those and we'll we'll sell them to people. And there are other products we're talking about or refreshing what we currently have or, you know, always kind kind of continuously improving the product in a Tesla way where mm -hmm. there might not be a new version of a switch pod. But if you buy one in a couple of years, it might just be better because we've been incrementally changing it oh we can add some sort of over the air update feature <laughs> to the to this <laughs> then that would be kind of crazy and probably very expensive and useless but uh like if you were vlog about to run into somebody else with vlogging you could it would like stop automatically yeah like a tesla auto or it would just totally yeah. open and close automatically when you want it when you just think about it it just does it uh <laughs> uh the future I want to finish off this conversation and, and I'll start and I'll have you finish finish this off with with this prompt in terms of like biggest lessons again taken away so far up to this date. We are currently recording this March 26 to uh, 2020. Again, we're right in the middle of the sort of COVID-19 sort of situation happening in the US right now. So, you know, who knows what might happen in the next few months or 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 what'll come out of this or what the new normal will be and you know, yes, our supply chain has been affected by this of course, but we're a little bit lucky that we've placed orders ahead of time and, and we still have inventory for right now. So we're okay, but it could become a problem, but we'll see. But as far as the start of this whole journey from us being together in 2017 at Vid Summit, I think, was it 2017 this kind of journey began for us? 
Yeah. That's insane, man. Uh, for, uh, up until now, you know, the biggest takeaway that I have, and then I'll have you finish uh, us off, was was just the idea of, of, of being iterative in the process, iterative, you know, taking it one step at a time, not moving on to the next phase until we really hone in and learn this phase. So in the beginning, it was just trying to determine if people would even want this thing and, and coming up with ideas and then sharing it. And then that gave us the green light after people seemed to get excited about it to move into the prototype phase. That phase brought us into further prototypes, spending then a little bit more money on higher end prototypes and then continually just getting green light after green light after green light. And then if we were to get a red light, we go back to the last green light and go, okay, well, that didn't work. What, what should we try now? And we're still continuing to do that. We're just in a different field now because we're on the other side of the launch and I think a lot of business owners, especially new entrepreneurs, want to get to where we're at now within the first, you know, six months. And I think you just got to give it time. But at the same time, we moved fast for what we could move fast on. But then there's sort of a waiting game in the physical product space. And whether it's digital or physical, you know, it's just actively knowing what your next steps are and trying to get a green light to move on. Or if you get a red light, figure out what the deal is and 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 then and then pivot from there. So that would be my best tip for everybody listening to this and hopefully can take home with you uh, to implement into your new businesses or your current business. Caleb, what's your biggest sort of takeaway so far? I mean, for me, it would be, you know, work, working in public or asking for help because I'm the type of person where I will just work privately on something until it's completely done and be like, here you go, world. Here's the thing that I made. And you just, you don't bring people along for the journey that way. And so a combination of you and I sharing publicly on our YouTube channels and Instagram and going to events and getting feedback from people when we're ready for it, as well as making the launch a more collaborative thing as well by having launch partners and affiliates and things like that. It just makes it bigger. It makes more people hear about it. And so I would encourage people that whatever they're working on, how can you kind of bring people along for the journey as you make it so that when you're ready to launch it or publish it or sell it for the first time, there are people there paying attention that, that want to buy it already because it's marketing, it's advertising, but it's not in the traditional way. It's just showing the process and people love to see the behind the scenes. They love to know how something's made. And I think that if you do that, you'll have more people there that will end up supporting you. Love it. Thanks, Caleb. Everybody go check out the SwitchPod at switchpod.co. Uh, there's a bundle there where you can get the ball head and the SwitchPod if you haven't picked one up yet. Yes, of course, like we said earlier, we would prefer that over Amazon, but we completely understand if you want to get it on Amazon too. That's totally fine. But we just thank you so much for following this journey. And I think it's a perfect way to end because we're going to continue to share this journey with, with you as we move into other and newer territories, including potentially, uh, we're in talks right now with potentially getting into big box retailers, all companies that you've heard of before, stores that you've walked inside, that would be really cool. And who knows where this is going to take us, but we're taking it, uh, you know, step by step. And hopefully you enjoy following along. Thanks for being here, Caleb. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and my partner, Caleb Wojcik, over at switchpod.co. Having so much fun with this, as you can tell, and learning so much. And we still have 
yet to really even scratch the surface of what I feel is possible with this, this thing. We are in, as we are recording this, a really interesting time of the world and the economy. So we will see what happens next. And of course, whatever happens, we're gonna be updating you on that progress. So make sure if you aren't yet subscribed to the show that you are, so hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. And of course, a review on Apple would be amazing. And finally, the show notes where you can get all the links and resources and other things that we talked about here, right? conveniently in one spot. All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 427. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 427. Also, make sure to follow Caleb on YouTube or DIY Video Guy or Caleb Wojcik, W-O-W, I can't even, it's hard to say his name and spell it, but I'm I'm gonna try. W-O-J-C-I-K, Caleb Wojcik, W-O-J-C-I-K. Wojcik like logic. And logically, I just want to thank you because we're at the end of the show here. So I appreciate you. As always, Team Flume for the win. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.